0: It's radio theater for your soul. It's radio theater for your soul. With storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. With storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, Always Just a Cut Above. Yeah.
1: Your soul audience. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome to season nine, the fall and winter series of my radio show. My name is Shanice C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love, and I am your host who will be gathering with the storytellers around the mic weekly. Storytelling is a gift. It is meant to be shared. And our mission is to continue to provide a global stage for storytellers of all genres of storytelling.
0: Even from the subways of New York City. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul.
1: So... Does anyone want to know what Radio Theater for Your Soul is really all about? Yeah! Yeah. Yeah. Tell
0: me about it. Break it down. Okay, okay,
1: I'll tell you. (laughs) In a nutshell, it is all about storytelling and storytellers featuring unique voices, the written and or unwritten words during this broadcast, podcast, episode, show, whatever you prefer to call it. I call it Internet Radio, our global stage, our gathering place around the mic that virtually replaces the baobab tree, where all kinds of stories continue to be shared. So please stay tuned.
0: You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic.
1: Gathering around the mic Is another great story and another great storyteller. Enjoy.
2: This is this excerpt is from um, a chapter called Mistake, and it's interesting as I'm reading it over. It, I remember it like it was yesterday. It happened many years ago, but it ha- it, it's still fresh in my mind. But this is called Mistake. This is a little excerpt from it. from my book, um, Ripples, Shadows, and Huddle Scraps. Here we go. After hearing the horn blow, he could see the woman's face smiling broadly as she and her small daughter waved wildly from the blue car on the opposite side of the street. She wasn't driving very fast, but he didn't recognize him. But it was apparent they knew who he was. They were turning around, and he was happy about that because the snow was now in his ill-prepared shoes. His feet were cold and wet, so a ride would really prove a blessing. But with his beanie pulled down so far on his face, he wondered how anyone could see who he was. Through the car's windows their exposed faces weren't familiar, and he wondered who the mother and daughter were. As soon as they pulled up to the curb, the little girl's and then the mother's face changed. When he opened the car door, the girl immediately slid as close to her mother as she could without sitting on her lap. She looked afraid. As the young man sat down and closed the door, the mother glanced at him momentarily and then looked forward, nervously. Where are you headed? She asked curtly. To be honest, I'm lost. Sometimes I start walking and lose track of time and direction. Are we close to Rugby Avenue? Rugby Avenue? You walk from Rugby? Rugby? Yeah, that's the only street I remember. I'm not driving that far, she said. First looking down at her daughter and then at him. That's in the opposite direction of where I'm going. I just appreciate the ride. Wherever you could drop me off is appreciated. He wanted to ask the lady where she knew him from. Because she still didn't look familiar, but he decided against it. The daughter was still glued to her mother's side, looking at him with wide eyes. They rolled for some time before she spoke again. I'm gonna be honest, she said, still looking straight ahead. Me and my, my me and my daughter thought you were one of her father's mentees from a program he runs. When I pulled up and saw that you weren't who I thought you were, I was just gonna pull off. But I just couldn't do you like that. You had the biggest smile across your face. That's what made me stop, that smile. I was nervous as hell at first, But you're a nice young man, and I'm glad now. The ride was quiet, but less tense. The woman would look at him from time to time, but any thoughts she had, she kept to herself. By the time she dropped the young man off, they were in an area he recognized. He was thankful, but she was just glad that her mistake had not put her or her daughter in danger. He was sure that he would never see them again, but the simple act of kindness would stay with him probably as long as he lived. And that's from the chapter, Mistake. I'm going to read a poem from the book. And um, I don't even know if I have a name for it, but it's in the book. And it's actually from something that actually happened. It happened some years ago to a a young black girl who um, who was adopted by a family that did horrible things to her. And I just wanted to... For some reason, I wanted to speak to it, even though it's not my story. It affected my story. Um, So this is in the book. So this is this is the poem that that I put in the book. Uh, I put many poems in the book, but this one was the one where he's uh, in the story. he's, He's reading this on the street to just people who are listening. It goes like this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Ironically, her small mangled body had no father to listen, no son to intervene, no Holy Ghost redemptive enough to save her. She was born in sin, never good enough to break bread with the institution, which would not forego its saintliness by sparing the rod and spoiling the child. No, it would crush bones, crusading for a Christ who had forgotten to carry her burden, handing her over to saints who snarled and cursed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Where was her Redeemer? Help me, Jesus. She must have whispered tight-lipped and barely audible, but loud enough for an Almighty to hear, that hears every brook and stream. Make them stop, she must have prayed. Why hast thou forsaken me? Must have been her thought as tears of pain and abandonment streamed down her tiny face she could not sing the gospel because the lash made music hard to hear quoting scripture was lost between the breaking of bones in the name of the father son and holy ghost she could not rebuke a devil given her charge calvary calvary were where her jesus took the woes of the world but forgot hers there was no sparing the rod or spoiling the child in this house tonight she must have shouted over the lashes and there was not enough until she took her last breath and the monsters with the bible and lash kneeled down and prayed so that's a poem from the book and um like i said i wanted to speak to it even though it wasn't my story i wanted to put it out there i don't even remember the young lady's the young girl's name but it actually happened i read about it and i wrote it down i wrote about that story and so as i was writing my my novel I said, I'm gonna put this in here. This guy, this, this street guy is gonna speak to that. And so that's what it's all about. So that's a short poem that I wrote dedicated to a young lady who was in foster care or adopted and abused through that system. Hello everyone. My name is Jeffrey Martin. I'm a, um,
3: I guess like all of us, we're a lot of things. Um, I'm a poet. known known as a poet, but I'm a writer. I'm just a writer. And um, I've been writing for a long time. Writing for me was an outlet. It wasn't something that I was planning to do for a life, not initially. But what it was really was me um, just getting some stuff out. And I started around nine or 10 years old, just getting stuff out. You know, that's basically what it was. And um and I just stuck with it, you know, but, but yeah, writing was a healing process for me. It really was. It was a healing, it started off as a healing mechanism for me as a young kid. I couldn't say things in the household where I was, couldn't voice anything, definitely couldn't. Uh, so I would just write it down. I would write it down then I would hide it. And, and that's what I did. But it was, and I never, I never, I was told that writing wasn't for boys, first of all. If you can believe that Uh, it wasn't for boys. So it wasn't something the boys were supposed to do. So I'm glad I didn't buy into all that nonsense. I'm so glad that I I stuck with it and continued. Well, I had to because I needed some kind of outlet and I wanted it to be positive. Even at that time, I realized that I wanted my outlet, whatever it was going to be, to be positive. I didn't understand all the stuff that could come with that. But I just knew I didn't want to do anything bad to myself. In dealing with stuff that I was dealing with, you know, so even at a young age. So I've written uh, 12, now 13. I'm excited about the 13th one. Uh, that's what I want to talk to you all about today. Uh, and I'll share some other stuff, too. But uh, my 13th book is a novel based um, loosely on my life. And um, the reason that I'm so excited about is because it took me so long to do it. And the reason it took me long, a long time to do it is when, you, when you're writing about yourself, at least for me, when you're writing about yourself and you bring up some ugly things that you've had to endure or have seen or experienced, it kind of takes you back to that time. And even if the people, those negative people in your life are dead, it kind of brings them back to life for you for a moment. And I had a hard time dealing with that. I really did. I didn't want to see these people anymore. Some of these people I didn't want to see anymore. But when I would write about it, it would bring them up in my subconscious. And that kind of bothered me. So I would I would start and then I would stop. Then I would start and I would stop. And that's what took me probably like, what, 20 years, 25 years or so that I've been working on this. But I can't say I was consistently working on it because I wasn't. I was uh, doing it and then... I would um get too filled up with it and say, ah, nah I'm not going to um, I'm not going to deal with it. So finally, I got to the point that, you know, I need to finish this. I need to finish this. This isn't for anybody but myself. I need to finish this. I need to get it out because it wants to get out. And so I finally did it. So for me, this is a big thing. Poetry is very important to me. Don't get me wrong. Poetry is what got me here. You know, I didn't even know I was writing poetry when I first initially started writing poetry. But poetry got me here. But this book is called Ripples, Shadows, and Huddled Scraps. That's what, And it, it's, it's fiction, but based very closely on a lot of things I saw or experienced. Mostly what I experienced. Um, I had to embellish on some things because I wasn't around for some things. So I had to kind of make up what I think might have happened in certain situations. But for the most part, it's based on some things I've seen in this journey and we've all had things in our journey uh, so that's what this book that's why this book is so important that's why writing is so important because writing will get you to a i journal too i i've been uh, let me give you that let me give you that background okay I started journaling. In 1984. In fact I can tell you the date. 11-9-1984. The reason that's important. Is because. I was raised up by my mother. And a person who. A Turner. Who I thought was my father. I found out. He didn't act like a father. But I found out he wasn't my father. At 24. 1984. So when I found out. I wanted to visit upon him the negativity and the aggressiveness that he had visited on me all my life. That was my first initial thought. I'm going to get this guy because he's not my father. I'm going to get this guy the way he used to get me. You know, I'm going to beat up on him like he used to beat up on me as a kid. But I'm a grown man now. Uh, That was my first initial thought. It really was. I wanted to hurt the guy. At the same time, I was reading a book called That Brother by George Jackson. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but if you're not familiar with his prison writings of George Jackson, uh, him and two other guys were uh, accused of beating a prison guard to death. And so but the thing that got me, it was a powerfully written book. But the thing that got me was he was kind of like journaling at that time. I didn't know what he was doing, but he was just writing stuff down. And eventually it became a book. And so I'm reading this as I'm going through this thing and having these thoughts about what I'm going to do to this father who wasn't really my father, who was actually a stepfather. So I'm reading this at the same time. And for whatever reason, I have this thought, you know, instead of doing something negative to him that will in, in turn be negative for me eventually, if I do something really atrocious, um, I'm just going to start writing stuff down. And so that's how I started journaling. And my journaling was very, very um, negative at first. Because that's all I was feeling. All this negative, all this hatred I was feeling built built up in me. I'm Like, oh, my family lied to me all these years. These motherfuckers ain't even related to me. Excuse my French. These people aren't even related to me. And I've gone through all this. And I had tried to prior to that, because my stepfather, who I thought was my father, wasn't proud of me, I had tried to commit suicide a couple of years earlier when I was in New York. because I And simply because I didn't think my father, who was my stepfather, was proud of me. I didn't think he was proud of me and I couldn't live with the thought of him not being proud of me because I looked up to the guy so much. So, journaling came from that. But it was, at first it was negative. You know, I was writing all my my hatred and getting that out. But eventually, because I stuck with it, I've been doing it ever since. I still do it every day. Um, eventually, it became less hateful. It became much less, less vengeful. It became all of these things that I didn't intend for. I just wanted to get some stuff out. Then it became more philosophical. And I would I would go back and read stuff that I had done earlier. I'm like, man, who's that guy? Who is that guy? Because I don't feel anything like that now. But it took me to write it down. I'm a proponent of journaling. I've had some people say, oh, no, I'm not going to write stuff down. I'm not saying you have to share it. I'm not saying that you have to let anybody read it or anybody in on it or even let anybody know. But I think for your own, at least for me, for my own well-being, it was good for me to vent. And that was my way to vent. I wasn't going to do drugs. I wasn't going to do alcohol. I wasn't going to do crimes. I wasn't going to become a minister to society. I wasn't going to do that. That's easy. I wasn't going to do that. So the best way for me to get it out was journaling. And I'm a proponent. I think anyone that's gone through anything traumatic, especially, uh, I think journaling is a great thing. Now, some people will probably differ with me. Some people don't want to write this stuff down. That's fine don't want to be reminded of it that's fine but for me it it really helped me it re- and and continues to help me continues to help me so um so that that's how I started with journaling but I've always written I've always written uh, didn't know it was poetry but I was writing poetry uh, I uh, and it just became a habit I wasn't writing it to share with anybody I was just writing it I was just writing. Whatever whatever was bothering me at a particular time, I would just write about it, you know? And as I did it more and more, I began to expand on it. So I would have thoughts on how I was feeling. I wouldn't just be about my feelings after a while. After a while, it would be my feelings, and then I would expand and say, why this thing, or why I could do this differently, or why this affected me like this, why didn't it didn't affect me like that. So it became medicine for me. It really became medicine for me and it continues to be a very positive medicine for me so this this novel the novels are difficult because you have to keep somebody's attention for 200 300 400 700 pages that's difficult i think i find it difficult because this is my first novel it wasn't as difficult in that way for me this because i was telling my own story more or less but I cut it short. I, I, I think my novel could have been a lot longer. It probably could have been double the size it is. It's just under 200 pages. So it could have been a lot longer. But at some point I said, you know, I need to get it out. Because I'll keep on uh, going back to it and editing it. And uh, I'll keep doing that stuff and I'll never get it done. So I said, you know what? This version of it is pretty good. I feel it. I'm hoping other people will feel it. So I put it out there. And so um, that's where it came from. You know that's where it came from. It came from a place of wanting to not only deal with stuff but maybe inspire somebody else to deal with whatever they're dealing with. Because I, I think after a while as a writer, at least for me, as, as a writer, you stop writing for just yourself. You realize, or at least I've realized, that you're probably writing for somebody that you will never meet, that you will never see, that you will never speak to. Uh, and that's the thing, that's the power about writing. The good and bad about writing is you write something and it's going to touch people for generations, for gen- long after you're gone. And so I started looking at writing like that, like, okay, I'm not just writing for me. It started off as just for me. But as I as I grew, as I matured, I start seeing that, you know, it wasn't just for me, you know, not even the poetry. I thought it was, but it really wasn't. It really wasn't. It was, um, it was me trying to find myself and in finding myself, I found my voice. And that's the beautiful thing about writing. You find your voice or the arts, period. You find your voice. Check this out. I just learned this. I haven't done the research, so research it for yourself and see what you come up with. But there are three things that are profound to the human family, no matter where you go. These three things are profoundly important to the human family. The first two aren't going to surprise you. The third one, I think, will, because it surprised me. Number one, food. Gotta eat. Number two, sex. Procreate. Those two make sense. But the third one, the third one is powerful. Because I would have never imagined. But it makes sense. The third one is music. Think about that. The third one is music. When I was asked what I thought, I thought it was being independent, having your own. Nope. The third one is music. So, When someone says it's just music, no. Music has a profound either negative or positive effect on human beings across the planet. Music is amazingly, surprisingly in my case, important to human beings. So when we hear garbage, when we hear stuff that's Detrimental In the music We are hearing something that has a profound Effect On people Who are listening to it And a guy said something interesting Uh, I heard this guy say that The people who Produce Negative, fragmented Hateful music Produce it For people who are fragmented Hateful And resentful. And that just continues that ball. And that ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can see it in our music. We can see it in our music. We really can. We can see it in our music. And I know that's off the beaten point of me writing. But that's the arts. The arts have a responsibility in my opinion. They have a responsibility. It's not just putting something on paper. It's not just putting something in Uh, uh, on a musical sheet it's it, it has a profound effect on people and so writing for me I take it very serious even if it is a gift even if it is a gift I take it very serious and I want to get better every single day so I try to write something Ray Bradbury came to my high school I'm a science science, um, fiction writer. And I'm not even a science fiction guy. I don't read a lot of science fiction. I really don't. I read all the time, but science fiction is not one of those things that pulls me or, or, you know, really moves me, to be honest. But he came to my high school and he said something that I will never, I don't know what else he said. Because, you know, I'm trying to be cool and not pay attention to it. But he says one thing that has always resonated with me and I'll take it my grave he said for you writers out there make sure you write something every single day a word a sentence a paragraph a page whatever it is but make sure you write something down every single day and that has just and at that time i didn't know i was going to be writing books at that time i really did i was writing poetry or what i thought was just me expressing myself that I ended up learning it was poetry. Um, But I didn't know I was going to be writing books one day. But that always stayed with me. Write something every single day. Or try to write something every single day. Um, And I've tried to do that. And that's that's advice from somebody who... I've read a couple of his stories now. But I wasn't a science fiction guy. Still not. Um, But that just resonated with me. And then after... You know, reading something up, reading up on Ray Bradbury, I had more appreciation of it because he was a very interesting man. Very interesting man. Um, Good writer, too. But that resonated with me. Write something down. And so it almost came second nature to have this thought about journaling and writing it down. And so in this story, which is three stories combined in one. To be honest with you, I combined them because I kept I had a different title for each because Ripples was a title. Shadows was a title and Huddle Scraps was a title. So these are three different aspects of my life. That I was writing at different times. So when I finally decided, you know, I got to finish this thing not just talk about it. I got to finish this thing. As much as it's going to bother me to bring up certain people, this is pressing, it's more important for me to write this thing and get it out there. And so when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to write it, I couldn't, I was like, whoa, what title will I use? Ripples is okay. Because I knew what that meant. Ripples meaning um, what happens way over here affects what happens way over there. That's what ripples meant. Shadows was my interpretation of black people in two institutions that seem to house us a lot. Churches and prisons. That was shadows. And I was coming from that angle. And then Huddle Scraps was about this poet who fell in love, uh, this poet who was homeless, who fell in love with this young lady who was a businesswoman that he'd see going into the offices downtown. Downtown could be anywhere, downtown California, the L.A. or downtown New York, whatever. But so those three aspects, three angles that I was going to come from, I combined them. And so I called it ripples, shadows, and Huddled scraps because I touch on all three aspects of that. So that's what that... But in it, I'm talking about how important writing is to this homeless poet. You know, I'm I'm, I'm talking about how important... It is to find your voice, and if not, if when you don't have your voice, people can lead you astray, lead you all over the place, or you can actually just um, uh, uh, mislead yourself. Not have the confidence in your own voice to view to voice your either your opinions or do something in your life that you want to do with it. You know, all those things are affected. So that's what this book is about. It's about a young man. And he could be any color, but a young black man who is struggling to find his voice. He has it. He has it, but he doesn't appreciate what he has. And it takes him a while to finally appreciate his authentic voice, a voice that he's never going to hear from anyone else. No one else before him or after him will have this voice. And he realizes, and this is my voice and I have to use this because in this story, he's let other voices influence his decisions. What the, what I mean by that is he's let other voices influence his decisions about himself, about what he thinks about himself. Not so much the, the choices he makes. Well, I guess it could be, but more or less, more so what he thinks about himself. And for me. That was a big thing. What I thought about myself. Didn't matter what other people thought about me. If I didn't have. Even if they were giving me compliments. If I didn't feel that way about myself. I didn't I didn't show that through my actions. That I appreciated. Or that compliment. Or I even believed the compliment. And so that's what this. So I think it's a really. Good, and I don't. We call it. Throwing flowers to ourselves I'm not good at that Some people are wonderful at it Some people you know, have no problem telling you How great they are How good they are I'm, I'm not one of those people uh, But I, under, I respect them on some level Because if you're going to sell books If you're going to sell An art You have to do some kind of selling You, know, you have to do something That shows people that you have confidence In what you do and I was never good with that. Um, but I'm getting better. And with this book, I feel so strongly about this book, though. This novel. I feel so strongly about it that I'm going to push it. I really am. I'm going to push it. Because I think it is a good story. I always say I couldn't make up my life. I truly couldn't. I truly couldn't make up my life. And the thing about... And when I say that, I'm saying, what I'm saying about that is... I don't like I'm working on a film with with someone um and I really want to produce it I want to produce a couple of films but one of the reasons why I want to do the film because our story the black story is so regimented it's the same shit over and over again thugs drugs uh uh, uh um athletics uh That kind of stuff It's the same story over church It's the same story over and over and over again And I ask myself I like Clint Eastwood I love everything that he he directs He directed a movie that I really love called Bridges over Madison County Great story Great story, I love the story And I'm thinking well why don't we have Why don't black people have that story coming out of Hollywood We have plenty of those stories But you don't hear them why don't we have more of those stories? Why are our stories the same story over and over and over again? Now, who, who's dictating what comes out of Hollywood about us? It's the same stories. I get sick of the same stories. So um, that's that's where I'm going with the right. So that's what I wanted to do with this book. It's like it's a different story. I wasn't a thug. I didn't rob anybody. I don't have a prison record. I'm not knocking people to have that, but that's not the only story coming out of our neighborhoods. And that's why I like about this story It is a regular dude going through regular struggles, becomes homeless for a minute, goes through his hardships. But it's a story that we don't hear enough of. We don't hear about the good fathers. We don't hear about the grandmothers who's taking care of the special ed child because her her, her daughter can't maintain or can't take care or doesn't have the patience to deal with this child with autism. We don't hear those stories. Those are wonderful stories coming out of our neighborhood, but we don't hear. We hear one type of story or four or five different types of story, and that's it. And so I think this book tells a story from a different way. We have a lot of drama without that gunplay, without the drugs. There's a lot of drama just in life. So why not tell more of our life stories? And I think this book does that. It talks about A different aspect that we don't, we know we go through it, we see it, but we don't see it on the screen. We don't hear it in books a lot of times. You know, just regular guys, regular ladies who have a tremendous amount of things to overcome in a regular way. That makes for phenomenal stories. Really does. But we don't hear enough of those. So I think that's why I'm going to push this. Not because I wrote it, but because it is a story that I would like to, I think it was Tony Morrison that said, you know, I'm going to write the stories that I want to read. Well, shit, that's what I did. And I'm going to continue to do. I'm going to write the stories that I would want to read or see. That's what I'm going to do. I know there is more to our culture than thugs. I know there is more to our culture than basketball. I know there is more to our culture than um comedy there's more to our culture than a lot of things is displayed on a regular basis about our culture and so that's what I'm going to do you know I'm going to write the stories that I want to see i know some very interesting story true life stories that would be wonderful in books one not my stories but people i've known um wonderful in books wonderful on the screen you know so I think as a writer, that's my responsibility. I think it's every writer's responsibility, but I can't speak for every writer, so I'm not going to put that on them, but I am going to put it on me. It's my responsibility as a writer to share those stories, share those stories, because those stories will resonate with people who have like stories or stories similar or know somebody that have similar stories or just regular folks that say, wow i felt that before. I've seen that. My brother went through that. Oh, my sister went through that. Or I understand. Or my auntie told me that she went... You know, so these are. it's a regular story about a regular guy who does amazing things to get back to his voice or to introduce himself, maybe for the first time, to his voice. And that's what it's about. You know, that's basically... about it's about. It's it's my journey, but it's a lot of people's journeys. And it's a journey that I could have gone left or right, but um, I chose to use words, not drugs. I chose to use words, not alcohol. I chose to use words and not anger to express myself to vent. You know, that's what I chose. For me it was healthy. You know, for me it was healthy. For me it was um, the way to to combat these, you know, and you know it's interesting too. A lot of times with many of us we're given baggage that's not even really ours. As youngsters, we're given baggage That's not really ours, but we take, but we get so used to this, having this baggage that we think it's ours. And years later, at least in my case, and years later, you realize that was never my baggage. That was somebody else's baggage that they handed to me. And I took it thinking that this was mine. Wasn't even my problem. It was somebody else's problem, but I took it thinking that it was my problem and it became my problem. you know, that saying that if you lay with dogs, you come up with 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 fleas. Right. Well, I take it a little bit further. If You lay with dogs or hang out with dogs or whatever it is. um, You not only come up with fleas, eventually, if you don't wise up soon enough, you become a dog. So you don't just have the fleas you become a dog and you forget who you really are because that becomes who you are. And that happens so often, that happens so often. I've worked with kids and you can see a beautiful spirit come in the room, come in the room, third, fourth, fifth grade, beautiful spirit. And then you see that same person in eighth and ninth grade and you wonder what happened to that beautiful spirit. Hanging out with the wrong folks. Hanging out with the wrong crowd. After a while, they become that crowd. And it has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with age. I always tell people all the time. Peer pressure does not stop. They think that, you know, oh, it's just 15-year-olds or 12-year-olds or 21 year old No, peer pressure doesn't stop. If you don't have a square to stand on, People will be pulling you back and forth and forward and back for your entire life. At some point, hopefully, you stand on your square, whatever that square is, and you, and you etch out your own voice, not somebody else's voice for you, not someone prefabricated voice that's given to you, but your own voice. But you have to be strong enough to stand on your own square. So this story is about that, too. Just being strong enough to stand on your own square and say, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it that way. I know what's expected of me, but I'm going to do, do the unexpected. I'm going to do the unexpected, even though it looks dreary right now. Even though it doesn't look very well right now. I'm going to do it a different way. And I'm going to do the unexpected, even though it looks like it's really going a certain way. In my mind, and that's the way I was thinking. In my mind, I'm going to come through this and I'm going to do the unexpected. And not only the unexpected, but the great unexpected. And that's what I'm trying to do now in my life now. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do the things that not only move me and, and inspire me, but move other people and inspire other people. And that's what it's all about. And that's, that's what writing is for me or it has it has become for me. It is the um it is the way to, to to not only express your ideas, but it is a way to speak to that person that nobody is speaking to. You no, know, it is a way to um to to uh I don't know to 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 get to someone that maybe you couldn't have physically. Maybe you're not in the same space, maybe you're not in the same country it could be a lot of things, barriers between you actually meeting that person, but writing has that global effect, has that global reach that it can reach anyone. And then you change the language and you can reach people that don't even speak the same language as you, you know, but you can inspire. Uh, so uh, most of my inspiration has come from, you no, know, all of, well, most of it has come from people I will never meet or people that were dead long before I was born. But their words were here. You know? How life affected them, they left that in books. They left that in essays. And it inspired me to do something with my life. Not only with my life, but with my writing life. So I want to do the same thing. I want to to inspire somebody the way James Baldwin inspired me. I want to inspire somebody like Harriet Tubman inspired me. I want to inspire somebody like Clarence Darrow inspired me, or Bertrand Russell, or uh, Marcus Garvey, or you know, all, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. It just—I want to inspire people the way those people have inspired George Jackson. Have inspired me, and it was their words. It was their words that got me. So, um, and so I owe this this fiction, not so fiction book, novel to all those people because those inspirations however they inspired me led to me finishing this I started it and stopped it a hundred times but in the back of my mind I was like I need there's somebody that probably can benefit from this I'm benefiting, benefiting from it just by writing it getting it out but there may be somebody who reads it Who's going through some similar uh, difficulties. And they read it. It's not going to get them through their difficulties. I'm not that naive to think that. But it may give them another angle to look at. To come at their difficulties at, uh, with. You know. So um, you just never know. You just you just never know. And there are so many stories. I don't want to put anybody's name out there. But I lately I've. I heard this one heartbreaking story. And I hope this person doesn't mind me. Um, Well, I'm not going to say the name, but it's just heartbreaking. But it's so... um, It's such a... a, I could just see this moving so many people. This person... was um, sexually molested as a child over and over again. Terrible father. Terrible, terrible, terrible father. Terrible. And... Um, that went on, tried to deal with that in therapy, all of this stuff, right? And I hope this doesn't get me in trouble. I just, the story is just so powerful. Um, and then years fast forward, she lost her daughter to suicide. Now, if that's not a story, first she has that beginning, then she loses her young daughter to suicide and recently she's been diagnosed with two different types of cancer and i'm thinking my god i mean how much can one person take see and that's what i'm thinking how much can one person endure in this life and and i said this Man, life's just not fair. You got total assholes out here that are just footloose and fancy free. And then you have a story like this from a beautiful soul that's going through so much. And I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, how do you balance that? How does that balance in this thing called life? I'm like, wow, I mean... Give somebody a break. I, I, I don't know. So you got those stories, just those heartbreaking stories. And it's amazing. This is not somebody who's a criminal or any of that stuff. But listen to that story. That story is heartbreaking. That story is about overcoming over and over and over again and continuing to overcome. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, but but there's so many things to write about. There's so many, um, and I hope, I hope this doesn't offend the person. I no names or anything, but I just thought the story was so powerful. So um, wow, yeah, it's it just yeah, it moves me just talking about it. But but there's so many stories like that, the people just overcoming. It's not about drug raids. It's not about shooting up a neighborhood. It's not about uh, 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 all these negatives. I mean, it's negative, but it's not somebody choosing negative. It's somebody who's overcoming negatives, not choosing it and then overcoming it. Overcoming it because it's thrust upon them. So it's a difference to me. And those are stories that need to be told, I think. Those are heart-wrenching stories that are true. And life, like somebody said years ago, life, real life is much more interesting than fiction. And it really is. It really is. It can be so heart-wrenching. It can be so beautiful, but it can be so painful at the same time. And that's all a part of life. And as writers, at least... This way I feel about it As a writer I have a certain responsibility To write that To write those stories To write the stories that Nobody writes Or very few people write You know to write those stories Because it resonates with people Who are going through similar stories It resonates with people Who are going through similar stories And I think that's the, the beautiful thing about art, like I was saying earlier, how important music is, how profound music can be. but music can be destructive as we see as we see in certain genres of music, very destructive. And that destructiveness becomes normal. When it should be seen as abnormal, it happens it happens so much that it's seen as normal now. And as artists, at least I'm taking on a responsibility. I have a responsibility to to fight that. To fight that destructiveness. You know, as artists, I think that's what we should do. Whatever art it is. Whatever art it is. Art should never be destructive. True art should never be destructive. It can talk about destructiveness. But to be destructive, to put somebody in a destructive mindset, I don't think art should ever be that—not not, in, not in be considered art. Be considered something, propaganda, whatever it's considered, but it can't be considered art, in my opinion. And it's destructive. It's making a certain form of life, a, a lifestyle. Excuse me. It's making a certain uh, lifestyle uh, uh, seem better than what it is, and in that lifestyle, in reaching for that lifestyle young people are being snuffed out pursuing that lifestyle. That's not art. Some people may differ with me on that, but that's not art. It's not art. Um, So anyway, that's what my, that's what I'm trying to do with this, this novel. And I hope, I hope that it does that. I hope that it pulls on some strings of the heart and people really, really, um, they really identify with it. And if not identify with it, at least can feel where I'm coming from with it. you know. Because I don't want, I told somebody the other day, I don't want, I don't, I retired. I retired early, too early, as far as some people are concerned, but that's okay. I didn't do it for them, I did it for me. But I retired. And I really don't want to go back to the workforce. I have no desire. I'll do it if I have to, you know. If it comes between me and eating, yeah, I have to do it. But I really want to use my art for the rest of my life to make ends meet. I would rather make my make ends meet through my art than working for somebody. I've done that. I've done that all my life, working for someone else. So I really want to use my art as a way to make ends meet. I really do. Or better than ends meet, actually. But I really... So, Having said that, one of the things you have to do as an artist is you have to push your art. (laughs) So um, I've never been good at pushing my art. Well, I need to be. If my goal is to use my art to make ends meet, I need to push my art. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm glad I'm doing it with this. I mean, I have 12 other books, but I'm glad I'm starting it really aggressively with this novel, because I think this novel is is my i don't know my watershed moment i really do because it was so difficult to do it because like i said it was i was fighting myself internally about doing it because it was painful topics but once it was done i felt like ah that child has been born that child has been born you know it really felt like um, I was giving birth to something, you know, giving birth to a new idea, but not, not just a new idea, uh, an a aspect of my life that I wasn't confident in expressing, even to myself. So I had to overcome myself before I could put it on the page. And once I put it on the page, I had to overcome um, looking at the page and wanting to rip it up or, or not go beyond uh, a certain point. So I overcame myself I overcame that page looking back at me and saying, oh, you want to stop this. Maybe you should stop. I had to overcome those two things. And then I had to overcome um, the fear of exposing too much of myself. So once I overcame those and did it and it was finished, I felt so proud. So that's where I am. So um, I'm pushing it. Ripple Shadows and Huddle Scraps by Jeffrey Martin. I hope that you will, it will be on Amazon, so I hope that you will uh, look into it, read it, purchase it, read it, and give me feedback, because I want feedback. I want feedback, I really do. I'm not afraid of feedback. I want people to tell me what they really felt about it, and if they really, if it moved them the way I wanted it to move them, and I hope so. I truly hope so. Um... That's always the goal for a writer, but especially with this product, with this project, I mean, I really wanted it to resonate with people. And I wanted to prove that we have more stories than what we've allowed to share or what we've been sharing. And I want to be one of those artists that shares those other stories. I don't want to I don't want the same scenario to keep popping up over and over again. Yes, those, those scenarios are important and they happen, but they're not the only ones that happen in our neighborhoods. They're not the only ones that happen in our nation. They're not the only ones that happen in our world. We have so many stories. So many stories. And what has done that for me, too, has made me look at that, is I've, because I'm working on a film with a friend, I've been watching movies. I don't watch television. I just refuse to watch television for a whole lot of reasons, but I refuse. But I do watch movies. And since I've been working on my own movie, I've been watching movies from all over the world. All over the world. And what I'm finding is. The storyteller. The storyteller is so important. In the whole, whole human fabric of, of living. The storyteller. I remember I knew a, a Nigerian. And he told me that he was confused about the Western concept of storytelling. He said in the West. You guys make storytelling like it's for children in Nigeria, the stories are for the adults to pass on to the children, but the stories aren't for children. We don't have Jack and the Beanstalk or um, Mary Had a Little Lamb, those kind of, we don't have them, we have stories that have morals to them, and then we, we, the storyteller tells them to the adults, and then the adults in turn uh, relay those stories to their children, but they are never intended primarily for the children. And so what I'm what i found in watching all of these stories is wow there's a lot of stories that we can benefit from and eventually our children can benefit from but they aren't for our children they're for us and then we interpret them we um we make them simple and then we express them to our children until they can deal with the stories the way they really are in real time but we, we, we simplify them and then we share them with. But they were never, in a, at least in a world type of atmosphere, they weren't intended for just the children, primarily for the children. They were intended for the adults to learn a lesson and then pass that lesson on to their children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or nieces or nephews, you know? So that's what I'm finding. So watching a bunch of movies did that for me, and it confirmed for me that I had a story to tell, and I needed to tell it, and somebody out there needs to hear it. And I'm gonna stand on that square, that somebody needs to hear it. So I thank you for your time. I hope that you will reach out to Amazon. Like I said, it's it's Ripples, Shadows, and Huddle Scraps by Jeffrey Martin. It's my first novel. It's not a bunch of pages, but it's pages full of life. I think it's just under 200 pages, if I remember correctly. But those 200 pages are full of life, and I hope you get that out of it because that's what I want to, I want, that's what I want to resonate from the book, is this is a life, and this is what happens in life, in all our lives. We all have our journey. We all have our crosses to bear. We all have our, our struggles. We all have that antagonist in our lives that doesn't want us to do well doesn't want us to do well, wants to see us fail. We all have them, whether they're quiet or loud, they're there. We all have them. And so that's what this story is about, about overcoming the antagonist, but not only overcoming the antagonist, but putting the antagonist completely out of the picture and being the protagonist in our own lives, in our own success, in our own journey. That's what it's all about. So I thank you for your time and check it out and let me know what you think. This is Jeffrey
2: Martin, and I appreciate you. I think I said earlier that the book would be on Amazon, but I'm going to reiterate that. It's going to be on Amazon, available on Amazon in the next week or so. Um, Please look out for it. And like the title, the title again, I'll say is Ripples, Shadows and Huddled Scraps by Jeffrey Martin. Um, you can also contact me through Instagram, and that's Jeffrey the Poet, J E F F E R Y the T H A Poet, on Instagram. On Facebook, I'm Jeffrey Martin, on Facebook, and on TikTok, I'm the Poet 60, T H A P O E T 60 on TikTok. And then I have a podcast um, that's called Right Away Podcast. Um, I would love for you to. Um, Kind of listening in on that kind of shows where i'm coming from sometimes i do um loan podcasts sometimes i bring people on and interview them but um it's kind of you can kind of get a feel of where i'm coming from what i'm trying to do with my art i think art should um inspire i think art should um uh be positive honestly it can talk about negative things but at the same time you know talk about solutions and preventative type stuff. So that's what I try to do. So I want all of these things, all of these social media outlets, that's what I try to use them for. So once again, my book can be found on Amazon. I have other, I have 12 other books on Amazon, uh, maybe six now, because I think some of them I have to reissue under a different publication. But anyway, um, I'm there on Amazon, Jeffrey Martin, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, Martin, M-A-T, I mean M-A-R-T-I-N and you can find my stuff there and uh not only support the book but please give me feedback i really want to know i really want to get feedback because all of us can improve and whatever we think we're good at we can always be better there's no such thing as perfection it's only a perfect a, a perfect goal or or a perfect um attempt to get better but we can't be perfect we have to always constantly we can get better but we can't be perfect, so I'm trying to get better. So I wanna hear your feedback, good and bad, I really do. And that's it. Thank you for your support ahead of time. I appreciate your time. And um, I hope that this book speaks to many people on different levels. Thanks again.
0: You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul with your host, Shanice C.L. Coleman.
1: Thank you to featured storyteller, writer, author of the upcoming novel Ripples, Shadows, and Huddled Scraps, Mr. Jeffrey Martin. (laughs) You know his voice from many of our past shows when we were on Accelerated Radio. His poetry featured many times, and today, his story comments on the life of a writer, his journey, why writing is important, and encouragement to just write something daily. By sharing a couple of excerpts from his upcoming novel, Ripple Shadows and Huddled Scraps, we get a sneak peek of what's to come with this number 13, I believe. This is his 13th published book. <laughs> to connect directly with feature storyteller Jeffrey Martin and or find out more about his upcoming book, other writings and where he may be appearing live or doing a reading, Please follow him at Instagram at Jeffrey the Poet. That is spelled J-E-F-F-E-R-Y T-H A-P-O-E-T. Also on Facebook as Jeffrey Martin, on TikTok as The Poet 60, spelled T-H-A-P-O-E-T-60. His book, again titled Ripples, Shadows, and Huddled Scraps, will be available on Amazon.com next week. So be sure to check it out and check out his podcast, which you can find on anchor.fm slash Jeffrey-Martin. And it's called Right Away Podcast. He would love your feedback and will respond as soon as possible. Now, if you missed any part of Jeffrey Martin's story, including excerpts from his upcoming novel, Ripples, Shadows, and Huddled Scraps, please go back and listen anytime right here on Radio Theater for Your Soul. As often as you like. And wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also easily listen on our website at radiogathering.wixsite.com slash radiogathering slash podcast. And please don't forget to follow us at Radio Gathering on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our YouTube channel is up and growing. So please subscribe like, and continue to listen to all kinds of stories and all kinds of storytelling. Listeners, we appreciate your continued support here at Radio Theater for Your Soul. Like many of our featured storytellers, we encourage you to write your story. Share your story. Indeed, it may just change someone's life for the better. (laughs) Thank you again to our featured storyteller today, Mr. Jeffrey Martin. And finally, I sign off weekly with a poem or what I call a poetic offering. The beautiful thing about writing, you find your voice. Write something every single day. Mm. That poetic offering is quoted from Jeffrey Martin, author of Ripples, Shadows, and Huddled Scraps. This is radio theater for your soul, where storytellers gather Around the Mic. I am your host, Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love. Thank you to the Most High God. Thank you to my family, friends, ancestors, and you. Thank you so much for listening.
0: It's radio theater for your soul. It's radio theater for your soul. With storytellers, gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film and poetry. The storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host Miss Cl Coleman, aka Courageous love, always just a colour of Yeah. Soul. Radio theater for i for yourself. Where storytellers gather around the night. Storytellers! Where storytellers gather oh. around the